Isaiah chapter 9 and chapter 40. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. And rough ground shall become level, and rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Hey, good evening. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. It is so, so good to see you. If you're just visiting with us tonight, we're so, so glad you're here. I'm always so uh, filled with gratitude as I, as I look around this room, and it's actually still a little bit uh, unbelievable at times. This past week, I was looking for uh, a quote that I knew I had on my computer somewhere, and I found it in an old sermon. It was just from December 2019, so just three, right about three years ago. And as I, as I found this sermon, I, I decided to just read through it for some reason. And as I got to the end, I, I uh, found this conclusion where I said that we were going to going to step into the new year, 2020, and commit it to prayer. We were going to give the, the whole year to prayer. And at that time, we were about 18 months old as a church and sort of struggling to find our way. There are all these sort of strategies for starting churches, and just none of them felt right. And the ones that we were trying weren't really working. And so we finally thought, what about just pure desperation? <laughs> like, what about relentless, heartfelt, desperate bold and passionate prayer. You know, why don't, why don't we try that? That feels like a good idea. And so now three years later, prayer has become really the heartbeat of this church. At that time, we didn't do congregational prayer, Friday night prayer, 24-hour prayer, so many of the, the ministries that have come to define the last three years. And so I'm, I'm just overwhelmed as I reflect on that, I actually looked up. I thought I, we might have the attendance numbers from that Sunday, thanks to, to Dan's eyes, uh, you know, consistent number counting. I was able to find it. There were 37 people that Sunday. Uh, I'm notoriously bad at 
you know, guesstimating the number of people in a crowd, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say we have at least 38 people tonight, so I am grateful for that. So we are so, so glad you're here. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. Now, enough of all the emotions. We will get into the passage over the last four Sundays. What we've been doing over these Sundays of Advent is looking at the prophets of the Old Testament. And specifically, we're looking at how they foretold of a time where the Messiah would come to earth to save the people from their sins, and he would come as a human child. And so we've been looking through the minor prophets tonight. I want to look at the prophet Isaiah. And from these ancient words, we're going to find three things that Jesus' birth means for us today. We're going to see Jesus' birth means light into darkness, comfort for the hurting, and hope for the world. And so let's start with light into darkness. We'll pick it up in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And Isaiah says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now in the Old Testament, this phrase, deep darkness, it literally means death shadow in the Hebrew. It's a combination of two words of darkness and death. And it kind of makes sense because you need, you need light for life. I mean, plants, animals, humans, our, our whole ecosystem falls apart if we don't have light. And so wherever there's an absence of light, you soon have not only darkness, but you have death. And I admit darkness is a little bit disorienting to me. I don't know if I would have, would have even said that a few months or years ago, but I've always lived in cities and neighborhoods like my whole life. Uh, but over the summer, my family moved out into the county. So we're a little bit outside city limits. It's not really that far, but county life is, is just different. And one of the differences is no streetlights, which I'm just not used to. I, I didn't even think about it until we were out there. And so there are places we can stand on our property at night where we cannot see another light, like man-made light. And so our kids, if they're out there, it's, it's dark, it's a little bit frightening. You, you have a hard time kind of making your way out there. There's all kinds of wild animals like coyotes and it's actually just possums and raccoons, but I've, you hear coyotes sometime. And then when the morning comes, the sun comes up and there's warmth and light and everything just feels more right. But in the Old Testament, the land of darkness and death that Isaiah is talking about, it'll be overcome by this great light that will dawn. He goes on to say that when this happens, God will bless his people. They will rejoice as the farmers do at the time of harvest. God's people will be freed from their oppression and every instrument used for war will be no more. And so the question is, how? The Israelites would have been wondering, okay, how is this going to come about? Chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. This Messiah, this Holy One of Israel, is Jesus Christ, the hope not just of Israel, but of all nations. And the New Testament says it like this in John 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to the, to the whole world was coming into the world. 
And so Jesus is this light of the world, and wherever he is present, he drives out darkness. I don't know if you've ever noticed in Genesis 1 that God creates light before he creates the sun. And it's a way for us to be reminded that that light is not dependent on the sun, but rather light is a representation of God's presence with us. And in fact, in Revelation, it says that when the new heavens and earth become one and we're brought into this final beautiful era, there will be no sun for the light of the presence of God is all that we need. And so there is no night, there is no darkness. And in the light of this life, everything is good. There is no decay. Everything is being continually made new. And so Isaiah makes this promise in verse 7 of the greatness of his government or of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so this light has entered the world and unbelievably it comes into the world in a human child. The eternal son of God come to earth as a baby boy. And so you can even just pause right now and consider, where do, you, where do you long for light in your own life? Where do you sense the darkness of this world around you or even darkness within you? And where do you long for the presence of God to arrive? The birth of Jesus shows us that he is light into darkness, but it's also the second thing, which is comfort for the hurting. And we fast forward to chapter 40 in the second half of the book, and Isaiah says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And so God is announcing two things that bring comfort to the hurting. And the first is that the years of hard service have been completed. Now, at this time, Israel was enslaved by a foreign nation. They were in Babylon. And Babylon has become almost synonymous with evil and oppression and debauchery. I mean, the affluence and production in that city were only possible because of the slave labor that they were forcing on other people and other nations. And so they would capture smaller nations like Israel and enslave them with a cruel and oppressive oversight. And Israel was constantly crying out for God's help. But you notice what what God calls them. He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. He's reminding them of of who they are. Babylon was was about as far from Jerusalem as, as you could be, not just geographically, but culturally and spiritually. But this is God's way of saying, I know where you are, but I'm calling you by the name Jerusalem. Don't forget who you are. And here is a promise too. God is saying, I will bring you back from the ends of the earth that you have been sent. I will gather you. I will bring you home once more. And so this is a theme we've seen throughout every prophetic book we've looked at. There's hope for a broken and unjust world. That God's heart for justice and righteousness and peace is, is shining through and his compassion for the poor and needy just leaps off the pages of these books. And so Jesus' birth means the end of all sorts of, of oppression 
But there's also a second comfort that Israel, or that Isaiah mentions. He says, proclaim to her that her sin has been paid for. And even more than that, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. See, not only is God going to remove the guilt and shame of their sins, but he's going to do something even more. He's going to give them his very own righteousness. And so again, Israel would have been saying, okay, how is this possible? How is this going to happen? And like any good Trinity kids lesson, the answer is Jesus. It's kind of like the direction of my kids, but Jesus is the answer always. And see, how Jesus did this was by dying for our sins, thus paying the penalty, taking the penalty of death that should have been on us. He does that so he removes the burden of our sin from us, but he does something even more when he rises from the grave. He transfers his own righteousness to us. So not only are are our sins not held against us, but his entire life of righteousness gets transferred to us as well. That's the double blessing. And see, healing, comfort, it's part of the very nature of God. The New Testament calls him the father of all compassion and the God of all comfort. And so the question here is, where are you longing for comfort? If you look at your own life, where do you feel pain? Where are you sensing hurt? How can you turn to the father in this moment for his comfort, for his healing, for his presence? Jesus' birth means comfort for the hurting But it also means one more thing, hope for the whole world. Verse 3 says, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. Now, throughout the scriptures, the desert always represents a place of, of wandering or, or spiritual meandering. If you've ever been in, in a desert, which I don't know how many of us have actually been in like a real true desert, but I imagine you have a really easy time getting lost because it's just like sand and sky and sun. It's hard to tell which way you're going. And so the desert, just like the wilderness in the Old Testament, becomes a, a place of, of a lack of presence. It means that you're, you're cut off or you're far from the presence of God. And so Isaiah is speaking into this people who feel like they're in a spiritual desert. And God is saying, you will walk in straight paths one day. You will find your way out. And it's interesting, just as Jesus was about to start his ministry, his cousin John came into the world and he came up out of the wilderness. I mean, you remember the story. He's a pretty odd, bizarre guy. And after years in the wilderness, he comes forth preaching that the kingdom of God is near. And the verse that he uses is Isaiah 40, verse 3. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. For John, the, the desert or the wilderness was not a place where God's presence was absent. Rather, it's a place of preparation, a place where God was present and was forming him into the person that he needed to become. 
In the same way, Jesus' ministry didn't fully begin until he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. For Jesus, for John, even for us, the wilderness becomes a place of preparation. It says then in verse 3 that every valley is raised up. And this means the valleys of our suffering or our affliction, our sorrow, our weakness, it'll all be raised up in due time. Every tear wiped from every eye, as Isaiah says elsewhere. And then he says that every mountain will be made low, which we understand is a reference to, to man's pride being, being lowered. So not only are the valleys and the, the humble places brought high, but the, the high and mighty places are brought low. So the pride and oppression that exists in all of our hearts and all of the world, it will be humbled. And whenever God humbles us, it's always a healing thing. And then we get to verse 5, which says, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. Now, one more time, the Israelites, as they heard this, they would have been asking, how is this possible? Is there going to be another thundering voice from Mount Sinai, another powerful display of the glory of God that we all see? The answer comes in Luke chapter 2. It says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so this is the good news of Christmas. You know, Jesus doesn't see the darkness and then remain in his own light. God doesn't look down on the condition of the world and just remain where he is. And if you think about it, God could have just simply condemned the, the darkness in our world, or if he wanted to, he could have like beamed us up into his light. That's not what God does. God gets personally involved. He comes down. He sends the Son, and the Son willingly comes. And we see that Jesus is not one to, to stand back on the sidelines. Rather, he sees the darkness, he sees the pain, he sees the sin, he sees death, and he comes straight toward it. He's even buried in death himself so that he can defeat it from the inside out. Our God is one who gets personally involved. And we think about it, how often have you just wanted somebody to, to stand up for you, to, to vindicate you, to tell you it's, it's going to be all right and provide a place of safety for you? How often have you looked to friends or families to give you the help that you need, but they just haven't had the time or energy or they just haven't wanted to get involved? How often do we come across a needy person, whether it's a family member, a friend, a a coworker, a stranger, 
And we know that temptation of saying, do I really need to get involved? And yet our God is one who came down, who got personally involved. Jesus comes straight into our darkness. He comes straight into our hurt. He comes straight into our need. He sees the lostness and he makes a way. It's why the the old song says it like this, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And so this is the message and the good news of Jesus' birth, that light has come into the world casting out darkness meaning comfort for the hurting, a thrill of hope for the weary world. To us, a child is born. Let's pray. Father, we can only thank you and praise you that you have not left us on our own, but you have made a way for us. And the only way that that was possible was for you to send your own son. And so, Father, we praise you for the self-giving love that you have for us. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the willingness to come and to lay down your life, the shepherd for the sheep. And Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that you have enlivened our hearts and our minds to these things. And Lord God, we just ask for more of you, more of your presence, more of your truth and grace and love in our lives. Father, you know how easy it is for us to get so busy in this season, to get overwhelmed, to carry so much distraction through these days. But Lord, we pray that you would just center us on you. Even if just for a few moments each day, that we would remember who you are and who we are. So Lord Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.